I'm grateful to be here this morning. This is the 10th summer in a row that uh, I've had the privilege of sharing with you when your pastor is out of town. So thank you very much for having me back again. Of course, you had nothing to do with it, but so I guess just to thank your pastor, which I am very grateful for your pastor. He's not my pastor, but he pastors me. Does that make sense? Uh, This past spring, I came very, 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 very close to running for a vacated Senate, state Senate position uh, at our, um, in our legislature. Um, I sought out some pastors that I respected, that I, that I knew cared for me and knew me. Your pastor was one of those, so he passed me through that. Maybe uh, the next 18 months we'll know if the timing is right. So I'm grateful for your pastor. I'm grateful for Pastor Mike. Where'd you go? Um, he slipped out. Yep. I'm not as grateful for him anymore. Um, he had a chance to really score high because I was going to ask him if he liked Dr. Dwight Smith or me the best. But we know we'll give him another chance. Maybe he'll come back in after his coffee break or whatever it is. Now, the, um, no, no, no. When you know somebody, I've known him for, since 1995. And so to see your pastors uh, long, long-term running hard after God, I love it, I love it, I love it. I'm going to share this morning from a passage that really impacted my life, particularly last summer. I mean, right after I, it was right during when I came here last summer, I did not realize how much it was going to impact me. And... So now I can share it with some perspective. It's from Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, have your phones, if you'll be turning there or scrolling there, let me read this passage. And from it, we're going to look at five principles, five principles that will help us be more effective at reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And my title for this is Get Up and Go. Get Up and Go. And you'll see why as we read. Let's begin with verse 29. I mean... 29, yes, 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up, or rather, get up, right? Go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran up and heard the the person in the chariot reading. He was reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, Well, how could I understand unless someone guides me? And invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. It was from Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. So the Ethiopian answered Philip and said, Please, tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened up his mouth, and beginning from this particular scripture, that in Isaiah, he preached or communicated Jesus to him. And they went along the road where they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, hey, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This morning, 
I'm going to ask, or I've asked a friend, Solon Flowers. Solon, please come up. I've asked a friend to share this passage, help share this passage with me. And I think together it'll be a much clearer, give you a much clearer understanding of these five steps to be more effective. Did you just tear it up, Solon? Pretty sure I did. Pretty sure. Okay, well... <clears throat> The pastor's not here, so we can do anything we want to, right? So, all right, have a seat, please. This is Solon Flowers. Solon, uh, some of you will appreciate him very, very much when you learn what he does. How many of you had your coffee this morning? Raise your hands, please. Solon's the district manager for Starbucks. So, uh, if if you want to get in good with coffee, see Solon after the service. Now, the reason I've brought Solon up is because... Since last Mother's Day, not this year, but last year, he and I have become dear friends. And it all happened just like it happened with Philip. I actually find it in chapter 21. Philip's called Philip the Evangelist with Philip and the Ethiopian, who tradition says went back and started the church in Ethiopia. So, but beginning with verse 29, let's look at what it says says, the Spirit said to Philip. So the first step or the first principle to be effective in communicating the good news of Jesus Christ is from verse 29, and that's we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Philip heard the Holy Spirit. So now let me paint the scenario from last summer. Debbie and I went to church at our church And instead of going to the third service that we normally attend, we went to the second service. Now, why is that? Debbie and I are both talkers. And we're often the last people out of church. And, but it's Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is a big deal with our family. We have four children. They're all married. We have seven and seven-eighths grandchildren. Number eight, maybe born right now in Greenville. And so I told, I've never been present when any of the grandchildren were born. So I texted Lauren this week and I said, I will tell you exactly when the grandbaby's going to be born. It's going to be between 9 and 12 Sunday morning because I can't get there. The next time it's going to be born is, if it's not then, is Monday night because I'll be in Michigan. But it's going to be sometime when I'm gone. They're always born when I'm gone. So, Debbie and I go to the second service, and instead of sitting, raise your hand in the red shirt, yes, yes, that's where we normally sit, except in our church, second row on the end. Because there are a lot of people, as we leave, we said, let's sit in the back row. But the back row was filled. So, we went out in the foyer, came in, and sat where that young lady has, raise your hand, right there, raise your hand real high. We sat right there in our church. And it's a contemporary service, so it was all dark inside. The bass is playing. And even though it's dark, I recognize a young professional, and I realize he's African-American. It was Solon. Walks by us down the aisle, goes to the third row. Let's see. 
stripes. Now, that's, you're in the fourth row. You're in the, you're in the third. You're in the third. He sat right there, maybe on the second chair. Raise your hand. All right, so I'm watching you folks that are raising your hands. All right. He sat right there. What does verse 29 say? The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. As I'm sitting there and I'm watching him walk up the aisle and, and watch Solon cut in that third row, as clear as I'm talking to you right now, I believe the Holy Spirit prompted me. I like to use the word impressed me or prompted me. He led me to get up and go invite Solon to come sit with me and Debbie. Now, Solon, what were you doing at church that morning? Going to church. Expound um, on that, please. <laughs> no, uh, so the events leading up to that morning um, had led me to a place where I felt like I needed to go to church. I'll share with you a little bit of backstory. Um, so for the few years leading up to um, that Mother's Day Sunday, Things had been going pretty well in my life for the most part. Um, you know, I didn't come from much, uh, and I had began making what I had envisioned was a life for myself that, um, that I'd already, always dreamt about. Um, I had the pretty good job for the most part. I had the cars and the house and the wife and the kids, and um, the finances weren't terrible, you know. There was money coming in. I didn't figure out how to manage it yet, but... Um, you know, things were going pretty well. My health was good. Um, there was really not much to complain about. And then leading up to that Mother's Day Sunday, the few months prior to, I found myself, I found the circumstances that I had built for myself, I found them um, crumbling, uh, for lack of better words. I, you know, because of the works that I had done, I had found myself in a really low, lost, desolate type of a place um, with little hope, um, feeling totally full of shame and guilt, um, found myself feeling like there was no reason for anybody to love me or want me. And um, so everything that I just told you about building uh, literally was coming crashing down. My health was deteriorating my family my wife and I our marriage had fallen apart to the point where we had totally separated and had uh, began the divorce process and my children the effects on them was beginning to show its ugly face and um, work didn't feel right finances were getting worse and I just looked up and said this is not what I what I dreamed of um, Everything that I thought I had built, like I said, that, that beautiful dream uh, was just crashing. And so the night prior to Mother's Day, I, I, I guess I had the realization that I was going to be spending this Mother's Day alone without my children, without my wife. And um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was saddening, to say the least. And so I found myself just crying out to God trying to figure out why he would allow this to happen. That was what I, in my mind, that's what I felt. You know, God, why would you let this happen? How did I get here? I mean, I, 
You know, I guess I was running so fast, I didn't even understand how I got there. How did I get here? And looking at the effects that the poor decisions that I had made in my life, um, looking at the effects of those decisions, I really felt like I was just more of a burden than anything to my family. Um, and I don't know if anybody's ever struggled with depression or anything like that, but it, um, no one can tell you that that's not real in the moment or wherever you may be in that. And I just felt like life wasn't worth living, so I decided that I was no longer going to burden my family or friends, and um, I was just going to end my life. And that was, a, that was the best scenario that I could come up with. And so You're anyways, catching that, right? You're hearing what he's saying. To make a long story a little bit shorter, uh, I decided that evening when I went back in the house that I was going to prepare for that and uh, not to be too uh, morbid here, but to, you know, I loaded my handgun and decided that what I was doing was real. And, um, Somewhere along the, or somewhere prior to me deciding to pull the trigger, I just kind of stopped and decided to grab my Bible and just start reading. And I don't, you know, I, I like to say that all the prayers that led up to that point that were interceding for me, that because I, outside of blaming God for my circumstances, I was not praying and I was not seeking him. And so that evening when I realized that the time that I had thought that I would no longer be there had passed, um, that it was probably best for me to quickly go figure out who God was and if there was something there for me. So when he walked in the church that morning, my radar went up because I wanted to make sure he felt loved, welcome, and accepted because our church is not that diverse. It's about as diverse as this church. And, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, it wasn't audible. It was louder than that. And the impression was to get up and go invite him to come back and sit with me and Debbie. Now, how many of you, like me, I, I'm going to raise my hand first. The Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, but you ignore the prompting. Anybody? Raise your hands if, okay. So, but this time, I'm, I'm so glad to say I obeyed. Look at verse 30. Philip didn't just hear the Spirit. Philip obeyed the Spirit. He had to get up and go. He got up out of his well, he was just walking. He, he, he got out of his walk, and it says he ran up to the chariot. Well, praise God, I turned to Debbie, my wife, and I said, sweetheart, I'll be right back. I got up out of my seat, went behind that last row, came up the side right where you are, and I stepped in, and I put my arm around Solon, and I said, I don't know if you're a first-time visitor or a long-term member, but if you're by yourself this morning, I would love for you to come back and sit with me and Debbie. And I started snickering because I'm thinking, man, he's on the third row. Why am I bringing him back all the way to the last row? You know, I mean, that's probably not a really good influence on him. So, um, so what did you think when some stranger, 
By the way, he looked at me with a real strange look. But why did you think when some stranger put his arm around you and invited you to come back to the last row? <laughs> um, so first and foremost, I hope you all continue to invite Dr. Jones back to teach you about evangelism. Just don't let him lead an ushering class. Like, <laughs> hey, what do you do as the welcoming committee? Take everybody to the back. Don't take them to the front. Um, anyways, no. Uh, when he came up and put his arm around me, what he didn't know uh, was the prayer that I was praying, that I was screaming inside, uh, which was, God, if you can hear me, I, I need you to come and put your arms around me right now, not, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. I need you right now to show up. And... Uh, you know, leading up to him coming to put his arm around me, um, the few seconds prior, I opened my eyes with this expectation that God was going to show up, that, there, that he was going to send his angels to come comfort me. And I looked around and didn't see anyone. And um, for a moment, I wanted to believe that lie that God doesn't hear you. Your prayers are going void. And I guess when you get to that place when you're, when you're that low and that lost and that helpless, there ain't nothing else to do but pray. So I just kept praying. And as soon as I went back into my prayer, his arm came around me. And um, it's crazy. As I say that, I can almost feel the chills, like just a overwhelming body chill, totally shocked and uh, speechless. So he asked me to come sit in the back row with him, and I'm pretty sure uh, I just muttered something of the, uh-huh. So. It was like he had seen an angel. <laughs> he got me, but I mean, it was. <laughs> he was like, whatever I asked him, he was going to do it because he had just prayed, God, I need to feel your touch. Amen. And I put my arm around him. And then he looked over. God's good, isn't he? I mean, he's so good. Well, we went back to our spot, and second song, he's telling me he came to church that morning to give his whole life to Jesus. His life was falling apart. He was feared he'd never see his three precious girls again or his sweet wife. And I said, we need to get, for, get together for lunch. So it took a couple weeks to work out our schedules. He talked about his health. He spent like the next four days in the hospital. And it was just all the stress that he was going through, the depression and the, the horrible thoughts of t ending it all. And so we finally got together. It was June the 2nd. We met at a restaurant. And, and, and often, like that person you prayed for this morning, when Pastor Mike said, pray, pray for somebody, your friends, that doesn't know Jesus. A lot of times we're afraid when that Holy Spirit's prompting comes, we're afraid to obey it because we're afraid we don't know what to say. Well, the pressure's not on what, on us doing the talking. All we have to do is ask questions. Look, look at verse 30. So Philip ran up and heard him reading the prophet, Isaiah the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? So really all we have to do is learn to ask questions. And so as we're eating lunch, I asked Solon a question. Do you remember the question I asked you, the difference between this and that? Yeah, um... You asked me, was I a biblical or a cultural Christian? 
And um, that, that was a really uh, baffling question, to say the least. I had never heard anybody say that. And I've got Dr. Jones, president at the time, uh, former president of CIU, chancellor, and I'm figuring if anybody knows about what it's like to be a Christian, it's got to be this guy. So thinking to myself, I don't know. I guess I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian now. And um, immediately I began feeling a bit offended at first, saying, you know, like, I'm not good enough here. And then I realized that what he was saying to me wasn't to offend me. It was really to convict my spirit, to ask myself a question to figure out if I was self-aware enough to realize if I had a biblical foundation for my Christianity or if I was just going through the motions, if I was showing up looking good on Sunday morning and then leaving out and living my miserable life again. So there's a difference in religion in a relationship. In cultural Christians have a religion, they go to church, they even pray, they may even read their Bibles, but they don't have the relationship. And there's so many people here in the South that are Christian culturally, but they're not true, genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe you even prayed for someone like that. Or maybe even the Holy Spirit's giving you a realization right now that that may be you. And and and, and don't feel ashamed of that. It's like it's, it's so common here in the South. So verse 35, as as Philip's talking with the Ethiopian, it says <clears throat> so after this question, do you understand? He says there in verse 35, and beginning with this scripture which was the, the passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 53 actually, he preached Jesus to him. Or another way we would say that today is he communicated the good news of the gospel. So <clears throat> what I did when Solon realized, I, I sensed that he was beginning to realize he was a cultural Christian, not a biblical Christian. I took out napkin there from the table and I drew this diagram. Every spiritual journey has, understand, it was on a napkin. It made sense to Solon and me at the time. You can't read or understand anything up there. That's look the same on paper, I promise you. Yes. Um, so this is just a picture of that napkin. So <clears throat> there are three phases of a spiritual journey. Everybody goes through these three phases. There's a seeking for God, or we would know God as Jesus Christ. There's a seeking for Christ. Second phase, a coming to Christ, or crossing over to Christ. Third phase is growing in Christ. Unfortunately, the seeking for Christ and the growing in Christ looks a lot the same. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm going to church. It looks a lot uh, very similar. The, that middle part only t takes an instant to take place. Then I spend the rest of my life growing in that relationship with Christ. Now, when you're seeking for Christ, sometimes you're standing still. Sometimes you're going forward. Sometimes you're going backwards. Sometimes you're going in circles. But there comes a point right before somebody shares the gospel with you where I call them asterisks. God starts lining up some things, and you begin to realize God's Holy Spirit's pursuing me. And so with Solon, that pursuit was 
he got to a place where he's feeling sick and tired of living. He realized he had messed up. He realized things were falling apart. He had no foundation. So, so then I shared that little booklet that Pastor Mike held up. It looks like this. Um, at least that day it did. Next, next slide, please. Next. Um, it's just one verse, John 3, 16. And, and as we talked about things, we just keep adding it to the napkin and explain the gospel. Now, the gospel has four parts. This is real easy. Look here, please. Up, down, up, down. God's purpose, man's problem, God's remedy, man's response. God loves us. We've messed up. We can't experience that love. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us and pay the penalty for all that. But man's response, we must, we must personally invite Christ into our lives to forgive us of our sin, our disobedience, and give us the free gift of eternal life. So I shared on another napkin, maybe it was the same napkin, just the back side of the napkin, I shared the gospel with Solon. Solon, what were you thinking when you were hearing this story? You uh, mentioned about you were first offended. Um, elaborate on that. And then convicted. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Dr. Jones shared with me something at that time that before you can find yourself here, that you really have to find yourself in a place where you're totally convinced and thoroughly convicted. Say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Totally convinced, thoroughly convicted. And um, I would tell you that I was concerned to an extent. And let me explain why. So I'm not a very, I've, I've never been a very trusting person. I grew up without a father, um, never knew him, never met him. Uh, and I had a really bad experience one time in church that led me really, really far away from the church, quite frankly. Um, and hearing all of this, I was a bit reserved. I wanted to hear it. I felt like I needed to know it, but I didn't know if I could totally accept it. I knew that I had been thoroughly convinced or totally convinced. Um, in the moment, I felt thoroughly convicted that I knew I didn't have a biblical or a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as I began thinking through that, I realized that, um, you know, it wasn't just enough for me to understand God as the creator of the earth, that it was necessary in order for me to receive the true love that was there for me that could only be received through Jesus, that I had to love Jesus Christ with all of my heart. I had to know and accept and believe totally uh, that Jesus was the Son of God um, and that he came and died for my sins. So as I, as I understood that more thoroughly, I realized that this is kind of, if you'd say, that missing link for me. So, let's review. We need to listen to the Spirit. Philip heard the Spirit. Philip obeyed the Spirit. There's, there's a big disconnect sometimes between hearing and obeying. Then take the pressure off. All you have to do is ask questions. At a certain point, you will hear a need, and you can address the spiritual need by sharing the gospel, beginning with this scripture he preached Jesus to him. But it comes to a point where you give the invitation, would you like to cross over into a right relationship with God right now? So in Philip and the Ethiopian situation, verses 37 right in there, 38, 
they're going by the water, and the, the Ethiopian says, look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, he says, you may, into what Solon was saying, if, you can cross over if you meet these two criteria, totally convinced, thoroughly convicted. They're, I've seen a lot of high school kids on church retreats. They're thoroughly convicted, and they respond but they don't come to Christ until much later because they're not really totally convinced. They don't know, they don't know who, who Jesus really is in the story of the gospel. And I've seen a lot of people who are thorough, totally con, uh, convinced, uh, thoroughly convinced, but they're not totally convicted. In other words, they know the story, but they've never realized it applies to them personally. And these are usually the churchgoers. And they go through life culturally Christians. So Philip says, you may if... You believe with all your heart. So he was convinced because he had been going to the, uh, the temple in Jerusalem, the Ethiopian. But now he was realizing, this is for you. So I extended an invitation to Solon. I said, would you like to cross over into a right relationship with God right now? He said, no. He went home that night. And what happened that night at home? Uh, that night I decided that I needed to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that I needed to know more than just um, having known that God was real, but knowing that I had a Lord that um, I wanted to serve and worship. So, And after he accepted Christ, he wrote this prayer in his Bible. It's a picture. Read that to us, please. So it's so powerful. I'm going to have to stand up. Y'all forgive me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to this earth to die on the cross and pay the penalty for my sins and the sins of the world. Lord, I believe that you love me and have given to me the opportunity for eternal life and I accept it today. Lord, make in me a new and renewed body that I may live for you, that I accept you into my heart now and forever. I pray that you teach me to love, teach me to live for you. Lord, I pray that you continue to teach me, provide wisdom, vision, and, continu and continue to breathe your grace on me. I love you, Lord, and accept you as my Father. Humbly, with love, in the name of the Son, Jesus, amen. Oh, yes. So the next morning you woke up, forgiveness and life was perfect? Wee. <laughs> Not quite. Um, but what I would tell you is there was absolutely um, a change in my heart. So um, whereas before I had been longing for fulfillment through things in my life, you know, all kinds of things, right? Cars, money, um, relationships, all these different things. What I found was an acceptance and a peace and a joy that I had never experienced before. Something that was no longer temporal, but truly for me and was permanent. And um, that was the change. The change was understanding that while I, you know, the enemy wanted me to believe that I, that I was a self-made, self-created, look at you guy, you know, you've done it really well, to you were a self-destructed, foolish, unknowing individual, a child that was just lost, and, um, and I found that place. So Solon got in a Bible study that I have the privilege of teaching for businessmen, and the last year I've watched him take off in his walk with God. And 
but you're still separated from your wife and three girls. That Thanksgiving, six months ago, seven months ago, I'm about to sit in my chair. And I paid for that chair at my church. You can have that chair at your church, but I have, I paid for mine at my church. And, and I, I feel my phone, you guys got some of those folks in this church, don't you? Uh, I, I felt my phone vibrate, and since I'm addicted, I, I, the church hadn't started, I, I snuck a peek, and it was from Sol, and it said, do you have time, you and Debbie have time to meet at lunch today with me and some special people? And I leaned over to Deb, and I said, sweetheart, I wonder if this is Solon's family. And so I texted back and said, definitely. So we met at the same restaurant where we talked about the gospel. And I saw his wife, and, I, and I, since I'm s- such an encourager, I looked at Solon, and I said, you look like a truck just ran over you. Uh, he and his wife had stayed up all night long the night before and had reconciled. She's here this morning. Stephanie, would you stand up, please? I will never forget... It was the two-year-old, Solon, the nine-year-old, Stephanie, and the six-year-old. And as Solon shared the story of how he and Stephanie had reconciled the night before, both the nine-year-old and the six-year-olds had their hands like this on their faces, looking up at their daddy, like he's the most wonderful person in the world. And at a certain point, we were, as we were getting settled, we were talking about Christmas coming up. And the six-year-old is coloring. And they hear everything you say, right? And as she's coloring, she said, I got my Christmas present early this year. So, Solon, we have two minutes left what was it like? Reconcile. I love the tears. Don't get me crying now. Um, it was um, it was painful at first because it required me to do something that I'm not very good at, which is um, listening and obeying. My stubbornness seems to typically want to win out, and I had to battle myself to know and trust and believe that. Um, I hadn't gotten to this point on my own that I hadn't um, been I hadn't been forgiven and renewed and all of these things on my own that if I truly trusted and believed in the Lord with all my heart then I would surrender just like the song said earlier I would surrender all things to him and I surrendered I decided that I had to surrender my current state and my marriage to him I knew I couldn't fix it I mean there was no fixing it I tried everything um, we spent thousands trying to figure out how to fix it. And when I surrendered it to him, I begged him to show me his will, and I begged him that he would make it undeniably clear and make it bigger than any one man could ever do so that no one could ever doubt that his power was the only thing that healed and reconciled this marriage. And, you know, and I would share this with you, that 
through all of that, what I have found and what I didn't realize at first in all of this, right, you know, uh, looking back a year plus now dating that, I had looked and I saw that all that had happened in my life and I thought, how awesome that although I never knew an earthly father, that I have this heavenly father that loved me so much that he would do all of this for me, that he would send his son to die on the cross, give his life for someone as messed up as me. And what I realized is it wasn't just for me by any means. It was more so that I was the starting point in all of this, that it started all with me. And, you know, I look at my family as the, as the man, as the leader in my home that I have to lead them, that what I would have been potentially robbing them of had I not decided to be obedient. Uh, amen. And, um, you know, I would just share with you that it's, uh, you know, I, I use this metaphor that it's, it's like throwing a rock into the water, right? You hear about the big splash typically, but most people don't talk about the wake or they don't talk about the ripple effect that then happens outside of that amazing splash. And God healing someone as broken as me was the splash, but the ripple is That's my good. wife. The ripple is my children and them now seeking after God with their own hearts out of their own desires. And my family and friends extended that now see the change in me and they say, I want that. Would you share with me who your Lord is? And um, so I pray for each individual here today that you would um, somehow be touched by this message that if it's you personally, that you would find the courage to look to God. And if it's someone that you know that you would find the courage to listen to the spirit as it prompts you. And if it's just a reminder of how amazing his power is, I hope that it does that for you too. Thank you all so much for allowing me to be here with you. Amen. Answer to depression, ultimately it's Jesus. Answer to suicidal thoughts, Jesus. Broken marriages and families, ultimately it's Jesus. Now, counselors help. Don't get me wrong. Ultimately, it's Jesus. The answer to cultural religion that does not satisfy, it's Jesus. May it ripple out as we listen. Philip heard the Spirit. As we obey, he ran. Take the pressure off. Just ask questions. At a certain point, you'll know it's time to explain, communicate, beginning with this scripture, this situation, he preached Jesus to him. And then, when the two TCs are checked, they understand who Christ is, and they realize it's for them. This is him. This is them. Then, Invite them to come to Christ and then see it ripple. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for what you've done in Solon's life and what you've done in our lives and what you're going to do in lives of others to come. Father God, thank you that you change things from the inside out, religion from the outside in, but a relationship does it from the inside out. Lord, May this church, Calvary Chapel, impact Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina, and the world 
as they seek to communicate the good news of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.